Christian Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration. Um, how many people have an unanswered prayer in their life? You can put your hand up. Great. That's awesome. Good. That's good that you have an unanswered prayer. That means you're expecting God to do something. You're in the right place this morning if you have a prayer in your life that you want God to show up in. Whether it's healing, provision, maybe it's salvation for a loved one, a prodigal who's wandered off. I hope that a lot of us have things in our lives that we want to see God do. Yet often there's a tension that I find myself in and I see in the Bible, there's a tension of, what we want to see God do and what God wants to see us do. And so sometimes we find ourselves in those moments where we're like, God, I want you to do this specific thing. Yet God at the same time is saying, yeah, but I want you to do something as well. And it's not just you sitting there, but you actually have to get involved in what I'm trying to do and what you're trying to see happen in your life. You're going to have to get involved in that thing. I'll give you an example of this. Um, When I was a teenager, I wanted to get my driver's license. Anybody remember that driver's license test? Remember it? It's so stressful. Some of you young folks might have done it more recently than I have. Um, but I remember that test being, I remember being so scared of it. Um, I failed that learner's permit. I probably failed that thing like seven times. I'm not joking. I just could not get it. I've tried when I was way too young. And, you know, it was so scary. That when I finally came to the moment of, okay, I'm going to take my driver's test, I was terrified. And my dad and I had practiced parallel parking many a times. I was already scared of driving because my dad, who's watching online right now, decided it'd be a good idea to teach me how to drive standard first. And it was terrifying. You stall in the middle of the road. People are honking at you, looking at you. And it was like, if you don't learn to drive this, you're never going to learn to drive it. You're going to get lazy and drive automatic. So he made me drive standard uh, beforehand. And I was terrible. I was burning that clutch. What's that smell? That's your bad driving, son. Um, <laughs> But I remember being just terrified of driving, and want, but wanting to do it so bad. So we practiced our parallel parking. Finally, the moment came when I went to the registry and it was time to take my test. And I took my test and this lady got in the car and I was scared of the lady. I was scared of everything. And she got in the car and I wanted my license so bad because everybody else at school had their license. That's what happened. Nobody warns you about this moment in your life when everybody else starts driving and you're just like, I'm such a loser. My parents are picking me up still. I need to drive. So finally get in this moment and we pull out of the parking lot. I'm so excited. Here we go. And like literally, I would say it was probably 20 seconds into the, into the test drive. She goes, now parallel park right here. Like out of the gate. That's the thing for the end. You're supposed to leave that for the end. She wants me to parallel park the moment we start. We pull out and I start to parallel park. And as I'm trying to parallel park, I actually hopped the tire up on the curb. And I got the back one. I was like, oh, shoot. Tried to, get the, tried to get it sorted out, get the front one up there. I'm way up on it. We're angled in the car. And, and, and I park and I kind of look at her like, and uh, she goes, okay, what, what happened? What went wrong? And I said, I kind of grazed the curb a little bit. Uh, she's like, yeah, that's an automatic fail. Um, but then I, I remember leaving that place feeling so discouraged and praying some kind of unspiritual prayer, like, God, 
Help me get this driver's license. I need this driver's license. I'm so frustrated. So I practiced parallel parking over and over and over again. Practice those parallel parking. And then my wise brother tells me, Joel, there's another registry where a guy is super relaxed at it. Supposedly, he's never failed anyone. And so after praying my prayer and going and doing the work, I go and uh, get my test and finally pass. Thank you, Lord. Um, God answered my prayers. But often he needs our help. And I think that happens in your life and mine. God answers our prayers, but he often needs our help. I wonder what prayers have you been praying that God wants your help? God wants you to join him, partner with him in those prayers. In a moment, we're going to read Mark chapter 8. You can go there now if you want. Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read from CSB 22 to 26. Maybe grab it in your phone or your Bible if you have it here this morning. But there's 650 prayers recorded in the Bible, 650. Now, 450 of those are answered. So we know God answers prayers, but sometimes he doesn't. And 200, sorry, 25 of Jesus's prayers are recorded in the Bible, 25 of Jesus's prayers. And one of his prayers doesn't work at first. And we're gonna talk through that one a little bit today. Mark chapter eight, 22 to 26. They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes, he laid his hands on him. And he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now there's a lot in this short little verse. But what I want to highlight today is that God eventually answers Jesus's prayer in this passage, but he has some help from some other folks. First, the disciples, they bring this blind man. They see the need. They bring this blind man to Jesus and they beg him. Would you just, just for a moment, Jesus, We've seen the power of God. We've witnessed it. Just touch his eyes. Touch him, Lord. Heal him in this moment. And before anyone got the chance to pray for this man's healing, for this man to be healed, somebody had the faith to say, I need to bring this person to Jesus. And the disciples did that. What incredible faith. I wonder what would change in your life and mine. I wonder what would change in our workplaces. I wonder what would change in our city. I wonder what would change in our neighborhood. If we had the faith to say, I got to bring this person to Jesus. I got to, if this person could just even get in the midst of Jesus, what would happen in your life, in mine, and in our city? Is it hard for you to bring people to Jesus? I don't like, uh, to bring someone to encounter Jesus? Or let me say it this way. Is it hard for you to share your faith? It's hard for me. So if it's ever felt hard for you, can we just be honest this morning? Is it hard for you guys? I find it hard. I grew up, my dad, being a pastor, he's a pastor of this church, 
And I grew up around him and my dad is like most naturally gifted evangelist I know. And so growing up around him, he was always inviting people to church. I remember being like around him and being this like this little pastor's kid, just so embarrassed by him. Like, oh dad, they won't want to come. What if we sing weird songs or something happens? Like I was just so scared of, of, of inviting people to church. And you know, I've had to sort of crucify that part of me as I grow up because bringing people to Jesus is something we're all called to do, whether we're gifted for it or not. And so if it's hard for us, which I think it is for a lot of people, maybe we just have to rethink how we're doing it. Because uh, when I talk about bringing someone to Jesus, it doesn't mean you have to go to White Avenue and grab a sign and a soapbox or whatever they stand and get a mic. You don't have to do that. What if it's actually a lot simpler? What if it's actually just inviting someone over for dinner? What if it's inviting people to hang out at the park with us? What if that's, what if that's how it begins and we just start there? I wonder if we would just experiment a little bit what we would see God do if we trust him with those relationships. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we're constantly surrounded by people with great need for Jesus to do something spectacular in their life. They might not be physically blind like this man, but how many people know we're constantly surrounded by people who are spiritually blind? You're surrounded by the spiritual need in people's lives. And for, you're surrounded by people who need to experience the love of God that sometimes we take for granted and the forgiveness and the freedom and being known by God, that love that we've experienced and sometimes we take for granted. So what, is it, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus when you encounter great need in this life? It looks like bringing people to come and get their miracle. Because you might not know their, the miracle that they need, but I promise you that they'll experience it in him. God wants your help to bring people to him. This is not a, I don't mean to be heavy this morning. I don't mean to lay something heavy on you. In fact, Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there is a burden. And that if we would join him in that, what, what would we see happen in our cities, in our families, in our workplaces? This will not be interesting to you though, unless the love of God is growing in you. Unless the love of God is growing in you. See, because sometimes I think it's so easy to be like, that's their problem. You're going to hell? Not my problem, buddy. I'm not. <laughs> Have fun. Um, you know, we don't actually think that way, but but when the love of God starts to grow in us, then we start to be compelled to see needs and say, God could do something about that. When the love of God is growing in us, we start to see people who are blind sitting on, on the side of the road. And instead of you know, thinking or whatever, feeling like, or just acting like it's not my problem, the love of God starts to get you know, stirred within us. And we get compelled to say, man, that if, if Jesus could just get a hold of that person's life, I wonder what God would do. Man, I wonder what God would do in Edmonton if we would be compelled to bring people to Jesus. We get the opportunity as children of God to expand God's kingdom. Isn't that exciting? Expanding God's kingdom? Wow. We have the opportunity to assist God as he draws humanity towards himself. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Man, isn't that encouraging for us today? 
that, that, that Jesus is building his church and nothing's gonna stop this thing. That's gonna continue to move forward and change lives and people would feel the love and the forgiveness and the presence of God in their life that changes everything. I met somebody recently that told me that the first year in church, they cried through every service. Isn't the presence of God amazing? Man, isn't that so encouraging that just the presence of God would just make somebody feel so loved? And sometimes we just forget about it. I don't know about you, but I wanna hear more stories like that. Don't you wanna hear more stories like that in your life where someone would just come and experience the presence of God? Am I in the right place this morning? Come on, second service. God wants to do something in his church. The church is Jesus' priority because people are Jesus' priority. And the disciples understood the power of God and wanted to help this man receive his healing. They could have saw the blind man and thought, sucks to be blind. Glad that's not me. Or even worse, here's what happens to me often. They could have saw the blind man and not even noticed him at all. And I, for me, that's, that's often what happens in my life. Get so consumed. You're busy. We're at stoplights answering emails. Why am I doing this? No one needs to do this. I don't answer any emails and somehow I'm still doing this. Okay, anyways. We're surrounded by people who are spiritually blind and the good news is that we can see. And the longer that we see, the longer we're connected to Jesus, if we're not careful, we, we forget how awful it is to be blind. We just forget. Or maybe we just never knew at all. We've been so lucky, so privileged to be in his presence our whole life and to know his love our whole life that maybe we just miss people because we don't realize how awful it is to be blind. But what is the response of Jesus when he sees this great need? He knows God can and will do something about the needs in this man's life. He spits on his eyes and he lays his hands on him. I think uh, some commentators write that he's spitting on his eyes, not because it's like something we should do. Please don't. Um, but because so that the man could feel it even more. You know, it like grows his faith when he's feeling somebody's messing with my eyes. Is that our response to need that we want to see God meet it? When people become familiar to us, we often forget their needs, but Jesus prays for people's needs and we can do the same. God answers prayers, but he often needs our help. He often needs us to be a part of the answered prayer. And the only real failure in prayer is to fail to pray at all. Why don't we do the same? I was thinking about this. I'm like, why don't I just offer prayer more to people? Why am I shy about it? I think sometimes I'm afraid it won't work or afraid of what people will think of me. But here's the crazy part. Jesus prayed for healing, yet it didn't quite work out at first. It's like, we're so uh, scared of, of praying for someone. What if it doesn't work? I'm so scared. But Jesus, this, this, this was his experience. The man was like, uh, kind of worked. I see people, uh, they look like evergreens and poplars and, and, you know, like I was blind and now I can kind of see, I guess, what's going on here? Why doesn't, it's interesting, why doesn't Jesus' prayer fully work at first? There's no explanation for this. There's no context uh, that could tell us why his prayer didn't work at first. So we have to sort of uh, read into the text, maybe try and figure it out on our, on our own. But I wonder, I just wonder, if maybe God is showing us a model of what to do when our prayers don't work. 
I wonder if God was like, oh, Jesus is so spoiled. I've been giving him everything he asked for. I'm gonna hold this one back for a second. But I wonder if that's what he was doing in that moment. If God was going, okay, let's, let's show him a model. And Jesus knows how good God is. So what's he do? Let's pray again. I know that my God sees your need. I, don't know, I know that my father in heaven wants to heal you and he wants you to be restored. It's not his plan that you'd be blind. So let's pray again. You're gonna see in Jesus' name. Can I just tell you, that's the God we serve. That he wants to, he wants to meet needs. He wants to take care of people. He wants to heal people's sickness and disease. Man, he wants to set you free. And sometimes we forget about that and we just need to press in more, pray again. Try again. It didn't work, try again. Man, Jesus gives us that model. He prays for the man, lays hands on the man again. Notice, and when the prayer doesn't work out, Jesus keeps on praying. He doesn't question God. Oh God, you've changed. What's the word say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't say, oh, God changed. He doesn't heal people anymore. There's full denominations that have built that theology, unfortunately. And we still love them. They're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I'm sorry that we, we, we don't build our theology based on experience. We build it on the word of God. And his word says he's the same yesterday, for it, today, and forever, that the work of the spirit is for today. He does not cease. So Jesus doesn't change. He doesn't question God. He doesn't change his theology. And these are the temptations that occur when we experience things in a certain way. But even Jesus had to be persistent in prayer. So it's a model for us. When God sees the needs of our lives and the lives of others. We have to remember that God heals the sick, that Jesus raised the dead. And the story of Lazarus says the body started to stink. It's nasty. You ever have like old garbage? It gets like rotting in the sun, summertime. It's disgusting. We have those black garbage cans, rot stuff. It's nasty. It starts to stink and Jesus walks in there. <laughs> Let's raise this guy up. This is disgusting. That's the God we serve. Heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the hungry, set the captives free. Paul and Silas be put in jail for the wrong reasons. They could have been complaining on Facebook. What'd they do? They prayed instead. They say, God, we know it's not your desire that we be in this. They prayed and prayed and prayed until the jail shook and fell apart. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. What I love about prayer is prayer is the language of love for people we can do nothing about. And sometimes I just get so familiar with seeing needs that you almost get mission fatigue. Like there's just so much to do that you do nothing. But prayer is the language of love for people we can do nothing about. So sometimes we see needs and we think, God, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. We just got to know that, that Jesus does. He sees those things. And sometimes we need intercessors to stand in the gap for the person, to pray for them, stand in the gap between them and God, because they're not, they're not going to reach out to him, but you can. You can intercede. You can step into that place. And when the man says, these people look like trees, Jesus doesn't say, sweet, something's better than nothing. Let's go, guys. We're busy. And I think sometimes that might be our response. It's like, ah, maybe God did something. I don't know. I felt good in the service or felt good in that prayer time. But like, imagine 
the blind man, Jesus is saying, that was good enough. And imagine the blind man being like, yeah, this is better. It's something, you know, it's fine. It'd be like us driving around with all this smoke and being okay with it, right? You press in for more. You're not like, I'm going to settle here. This is fine. We want to see clearly. We want God to do more. How much are we willing to press in until we see God answer the prayers that we've been praying? Keep coming back. If it feels like you can do nothing about a situation, pray about it. Please, our God hears and answers prayers, but he needs our help. Sometimes that means we need to physically step in like the, blind, like the disciples. Let's go grab this blind man. Let's bring him to Jesus. Everything's gonna change. And sometimes he just needs us to pray. Often it's a little bit of both. But how often are we surrounded by situations that break our heart and we feel like we can do nothing about it, but we can pray. If there's healing, we can pray. If there's financial needs, we can pray. If there's prodigals, and you just, your heart is breaking for people who once knew God and now are just doing their own thing. Maybe God, they feel like a Christian broke their heart or they feel like God let them down. We can pray for those people knowing that one day we'll see them come back to him. As you play your part in this, remember though, that you don't have to answer these things on your own. God's gonna join you like we've been talking about. He partners with us. God is not just the provider, he's also the partner with us. I'll, I'll give, it, uh, give you this sort of maybe example of, of how to, um, how this is, is working often in my life. Um, it's funny, being a new parent, something hilarious happens when you're a new parent. I might've shared this before, but whenever someone's a new parent, the other parents that are also new parents, they always give you some like kind of crazy warning uh, to like set you up. They always tell you their horror stories. They're like, oh, you're a new parent? Sleep now before that baby comes. You know, oh, you guys are pregnant? Yeah, you better get your sleep now. Or they're like, oh, oh, you guys, oh, you, you're in your first trimester. That's so exciting. You better go on eight trips because you're never going on a trip again in your life. <laughs> you like movies? You better go to movies now. That kid will ruin your life, my friend. Uh, funny how new parents do this. Um, but, but coming back to being a parent, What's, what happens in my life, and I, when I talk about God partnering with us, is we bring these kids into this world. And you know, almost every night, I pray for my kids. Say, Holy Spirit, let, they, let them know your, your presence and your comfort. God, would you guide them? You know, I pray that Christ would be formed in them, that they, they grow up with, not with the beliefs of the world, but with the beliefs of God, um, having a faith in God, that God would move powerfully in their life, that they'd do more than I ever did for him. You know, stuff like that. I always pray that over my kids. But I also don't just leave it to God to figure out. I know that there's a process that I have to teach them, that I have to disciple them, that I read to them. I also, my, my example is the biggest thing at home is that how I speak at home might be grieving the Holy Spirit. So I have to watch my mouth. I have to be careful, you know, I have to disciple. So I'm partnering with God in this. And sometimes I think people maybe don't pray because they think it's all on them to do the discipleship. Or sometimes I think people pray and then do nothing because they think it's all on God, but really we're partners with him in this thing. And that's what the disciples do in this moment is that if the blind man is going to be healed, it's going to take a partnership between us and Jesus in this moment. That we got to do something about this. And we know God will heal this man. Later on in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he says, have faith in God. 
Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Actually, I want to pause for a second. Let's come back to that line, have faith in God. If you're reading this in your Bible, maybe you just underline that or or make a note somewhere. Have faith in God. He's talking about prayer. He says, have faith in God. Okay, we're going to get back to that. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes um, that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, everything, everything, come on, say it with me, everything, come on, second service, wake up, we're like eight minutes away from going back to this world, God wants to do something in your heart this morning, one, two, three, everything you ask for in prayer, so you... Now I messed up. Dang it, Joel. Let's go back to everything. One, two, three. Everything you pray and ask for, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. What the heck? How many people prayed for something that didn't happen? I have. I prayed for someone. I've laid hands on them and they still died. Huh. And that's where I think we can get discouraged frustrated is that the word says everything. But this is where we have to trust God. And as Paul says, um, there's mystery in faith. There's a mystery that not everything is black and white. And there's sort of a mystery that we must allow to occur as well. One of my favorite scholars, D.A. Carson, says this. We're going to come back to that have faith in God thing. Have faith in God, those four words. D.A. Carson says this. We cannot pray in faith for anything we like. Hmm. In this manner, sorry, in this matter, Jesus was thinking God's thoughts after him and willing his father's will. That sort of prayer if asked in faith, will always be answered. For it is praying that God's will may be done, as Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. We can only move mountains that God wants removed, not those that we want moved. And so when we pray and we pray again, we just, we submit it to him. And then we get to know his word We spend time with him to know him personally so that we'd understand his will so that we would pray prayers that are submitted to his will, thinking thoughts after him, willing his will. Stay alert to pray prayers that God will answer. Have faith in God. Prayers will be answered when they're aligned with the will and the purpose of God. And certainly we know that God Wants, wants to heal people, wants to set people free from their anxiety, wants to set people free from the, the sin that is so easily entangles. I'll say it, maybe I'll say it this way. Um, we can get frustrated. Like, okay, yesterday I did a wedding, or officiated a wedding. Um, let's say the bride prays for no rain on her wedding day, which brides probably often do. But just down the street, There's a farmer who prays that God would make it rain or he could lose everything. Which prayer is God supposed to answer? 
And maybe sometimes we pray prayers like this, that we don't see the whole ecosystem of what God is doing. And then we get frustrated with him because he didn't answer. You said everything. We also said, have faith in God. Trust him. Pray it with all your heart. But sometimes God's in a situation where it's like, which one am I supposed to answer? If the prayer isn't being answered, just take a moment. Say, is this God's will or is this God's nature? Yield to it. Say, God, I understand that your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. And if it is, which it often is, and what we need to keep doing is have faith, keep praying, keep pressing in. One thing is for sure is that when God sees a need, he wants to meet it. When he saw the blind man, Jesus wasn't okay with him seeing blurry. He wanted him to see clearly. That's how that blind man was left with his need fully met, seeing clearly his sight was restored. That's the same God that we worship today. And he wants that for you and me. God has the power to answer your prayers. And sometimes he needs our help. Jesus looks at you the same way he looked at that blind man. When he sees your need, he wants to meet it. And he's a personal God who sees your personal needs. Mark chapter eight, uh, he says to the disciples, he's like, who do you say I am? And they're kind of like giving all these random answers. And he says, no, but who do you say I am? I'm a personal God. I want to know that you know me. I want to know that you know who I am and who, I, who I'm going to be in your life. And, and he sees your needs. Matthew chapter um, 6, 33 says, seek first his kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Before that, he's just talking about all the needs we have in our life. God will meet them. He sees your need. His desire is to meet it. I just want to tell you, when God sees you, he doesn't identify you with your need. He sees you whole. He sees you taken care of. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore the years the locusts have stolen. He wants to heal you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to wash you white as snow. He wants to set you free from your anxiety. Man, God loves you so much. And so how... How are we to approach this God? How are we to approach him? Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, now without faith, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. And this is what he does. He rewards those who seek him. And maybe we stop seeking him because we're disappointed about something because we didn't see him answer prayer. Can I just tell you, he's gonna reward you when you come back and when you seek him. And sometimes that's all the work that's required. It's getting in your own quiet place praying through your Bible, taking time, saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Holy Spirit, be with me today. Sometimes all it takes is just looking at creation and saying, God, I see you in this. Your presence is here. I know it. Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. So if you've asked, you haven't got it yet, keep on asking. If you seek and you haven't found, keep on seeking. If you knock, door hasn't been opened, keep on knocking. God will answer your prayers, but he often needs your help. Keep going. Seek, ask, knock. And Paul says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. How do we do this? Turn your thoughts into prayers. When you're anxious, stop stewing on it. Just turn them into prayers. Say, God, join me in this. Holy Spirit, do something. I'm just, I'm telling you this, Lord. I'm not gonna stew on it anymore. I'm giving it to you in this prayer. Pray without ceasing means when you read your Bible, you pray through it. You pray like, even as, as Paul says in First, uh, First Timothy, First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12, it's like the, the, the strength that is given to me, God, I, the only reason I can move through this life and I can proclaim your name is the strength that you give me. So come in and have your way promise for you. Paul says this, 1 Timothy 3.13. 
Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. God needs your help to answer prayers. Can you stand? Thank you, Father. God, I just thank you for just a room of people who love you. God, thank you for the work you're doing in every person's life. God, I pray if we've come here today just feeling dry, Lord God, would you just, um, God, would you stir up a hunger for you in us, Lord God? God, we wanna seek you more, Lord God. We wanna expect more from you. God, I just believe you're gonna do a work in every person's life. Holy Spirit, speak to people today. Let's just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us for whatever we need, whatever our needs are this morning. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Let's just take a moment together. Just pause. God, thank you for this word you gave us in Mark chapter 8, where you just showed us just to come back to you. And God, we just thank you for the power, the power we see in Jesus, Lord. I pray that we would know that power, that we would experience signs and wonders. God, that you do miraculous things in our life, Lord. Just thank you for the relationships you wanna heal and restore. God, I just pray right now for people who've maybe just lost their passion. Would you renew them today? God, would they be renewed in you, Lord? We just thank you for that, Lord God, and, and we humbly yield to your will. God, we just say, have your way. If, we, if it's not in your nature or if it's not in your design, if it's not your will, we don't want it in our lives. So God, would you give us a new openness to maybe some things that need to change, that we've some desires that we've had that maybe are not from you, Lord. I just pray for a new sense of boldness and signs and wonders. God, we wanna see your kingdom come. We wanna see you work in our lives. I just pray for a boldness to share our faith. God, to just maybe just talk about your goodness. Just maybe just open up a conversation about have you been so kind to us, Lord? Whatever it is, Lord God, I just pray that we would just have a new sense of gratitude for all you have done. God, thank you for how much you've blessed us, how much you cared for us, Lord God. Thank you for watching over us, for protecting us, Lord God. Thank you, Father. I pray we have a new sense of relying on you this week, Lord. Hey, if you're in the room, you'd like to give your life to Jesus. You'd like to do what the word says. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. If you believe that, you know you need to pray to pray a prayer to receive that. We'd love to pray with you this morning. It'd be such an honor to get this opportunity to pray with you. So I'll just ask you uh, to repeat after me. And uh, everybody in the room who calls Celebration Church home is gonna pray this prayer with you in agreement with you because we love you, we're your community, and we're excited for you today. So would you repeat after me? God, thank you for giving me this life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again to pay for my freedom. Today I begin a new life with you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to dwell within me and be with me always. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God praise together. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God.
Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.